0: We'd like to thank Clio for their generous sponsorship of this podcast.
1: Welcome to the State Bar of Texas podcast, your monthly source for conversations and curated content to improve your law practice. With your host, Rocky Deer.
0: Hi, and welcome to the State Bar of Texas podcast. Work smarter, not harder. Remember that phrase? As lawyers, that's a tough phrase to unpack. I mean, sure, we can try to work smarter, but then in law school, we were always told that to win, you gotta outwork your opponent. And if you bill by the hour, then the harder and longer you work, the more money you make, right? I recall a keynote speech given at the Adaptable Lawyer Track of the State Bar Annual Meeting many years ago. The speaker warned us, as lawyers, that the business community saw the inefficiencies in our way of working, and that instead of working with us to make things more efficient, They would work around us, circumvent us. She cautioned us that there will come a day when we as lawyers will be forced to completely rethink how we do business. Perhaps that day is today. By now you've heard of ChatGPT. It's everywhere. And how artificial intelligence is being used for everything from processing loan applications to helping comedians write their jokes. I can actually attest to the comedians thing. I perform stand-up comedy in my free time, and I know a number of comedians who have actually used ChatGPT to help them come up with joke ideas or joke structures or at least get them a rough draft of a set. But comedy is far different from the law. I mean, making people laugh at your gibberish is one thing, but that's not nearly as hard as being a comedian. Come on, I had to throw that in. But are lawyers truly entering a brave new world where AI will change how we work? Was that keynote speaker correct? when she said that our ways of doing business will change. To delve into this a bit more deeply, we have some special guests today. Folks, you might not have expected, but then again, AI will require us to think differently than we ever did. First, we have Megan Gore-Peters, a senior paralegal and property manager at the Brender Law Firm in Fort Worth. She's the current representative of the paralegal division of the Texas Bar College, and she's a member of the State Bar's Task Force for Responsible AI in the Law. Now, some of you might also remember that past President Frank Stevenson established the Texas Opportunity and Justice Incubator, also known as TOJI. With us today, we have TOJI's director, Joshua Weaver. Joshua is a technologist, and he brings that background to TOJI to help attorneys in Texas leverage tools like AI in their practices. So we actually have the very people we need for this. So Megan and Joshua, thank you for being here. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you for having me back, Rocky. It's a pleasure to be here.
3: Thank you.
0: Now, Joshua, let's let's maybe for those who are who are unaware, let's start with a quick overview of what Toji does because it's it's super cool. But you probably will explain it better than I do.
2: Yeah, Toji is. Uh, I mean, I tell people this all the time. This is really my dream job. I could not have imagined something uh, so great would exist when I went off to law school. But essentially, my role is to help attorneys through the process of starting and growing successful law firms that are usually either solo or or small firms and with a particular focus on serving middle class and uh, low income Americans. And so I think at this point, a lot of people are familiar with that, that ABA research that suggested that 80% of Americans perceive or cannot afford an attorney to access the legal system. And so Toji's mission is to try and make an impact there and change that through helping attorneys start successful law firms.
0: And and Megan, you serve on the task force that's been examining AI. So I guess, tell us how long that task force has been around and and how has your perspective on AI changed since you've been on it?
3: Well, it's fairly new. It's the the current state bar's president's um, vision. So it's fairly, fairly new. Actually, Joshua and I both serve on it together. So we don't have a lot to report right yet. We're still kind of testing the waters and seeing what the landscape's going to be and hopefully come up with some Good plans for different practices, different areas of practice, and especially for paralegals who are very concerned about their job, to you kind of be on the on be on the lookout for
0: well it, you know it I remember lawyers used to always say, and I think they still do that that more valuable than finding a good lawyer for your team, paralegals are worth twice their weight in gold right and so is 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 that is that perspective kind of changing with AI or because you said paralegals are worried about getting replaced, but there's a lot that paralegals do. I don't see how AI would replace them, but maybe you have a different perspective.
3: Some of them are a little concerned. um, And I think that's because of the, maybe the fear of AI, not knowing enough about it. I think if, if they don't try to learn about it or embrace it, that they are going to be left behind. So the paralegals who do want to use AI, because it's here, they need to learn that, to train with it because it will help them with their tasks. I mean, we are, and I appreciate what you said. Paralegals are very uh, essential to the offices of attorneys who do use paralegals. There are some attorneys who don't use paralegals, so they don't know what they're missing out yet. But if they knew, <laughs> if they if they had a paralegal, they would never know how they had practiced law without one. So, um, so I appreciate that. So, I do think that the the paralegals just need to understand that they need to adapt because there'll be a paralegal out there who will adapt. And that's the fear.
0: So, so Joshua, maybe, maybe you've had some experience with this at Toji, but what impact has AI had so far on the lawyers that, that you've been mentoring at Toji?
2: I've found this to be very polarizing so far. You know, We're <laughs> a little over a year into the release of ChatGPT on the world. Right. And I would start by making the point that AI is not new. You know, this, this technology has been around for a long time. And a lot of folks have been using it, but it's really had a renaissance in the last year. And and so I feel like there's two groups shaping up, you know, and and in the Toji program, I see attorneys that are constantly pressed for time. You know, they are trying to wear all the hats at once. They have to be their own marketer. They have to be their own IT support. They have to mm-hmm. um, figure out how to manage their time, do all the administrative mm-hmm. tasks, their billing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot that goes into re- running a successful firm sure. uh, beyond just the good practice of law. And so among that group of people, uh, you know, the boots on the ground, so to speak, I think they're really leaning into and embracing this technology. We we meet once a week and regularly people will share uh, their successes and the experiments that they've run throughout the week, using AI to enable them to move faster, work smarter, and and accomplish a lot of those uh, a lot of those tasks in ways that they were never previously capable of doing.
0: Is that in core legal functions, or is that with ancillary functions like like you said, IT or running your website or what have you, or are they actually using it in their practice itself?
2: I see a little bit of both, and so the the framework that I've been going to is. You know, for lawyers, there's reading, there's learning, there's operating, and there's drafting. And between those four categories, I'm seeing attorneys do experiments and enhance their workflow in each of those four core ways. You know, they there's a lot of information to keep up with as an attorney. And so having a tool that can quickly summarize and educate you uh, on that information is very helpful. From a learning perspective, whenever you are trying to master, you know, new facts about a case or trying to develop your expertise in some new area. Uh, the generative AI has been very helpful there. From an operation standpoint, we know that one of the chief complaints for attorneys is a lack of communication. And so these tools are empowering attorneys to communicate more efficiently, more accurately than they've ever communicated before. And clients really like that. They're very, they're responding very positively to that. And then, of course, we've we've all heard like the horror stories about drafting where somebody drafts something and they make a mistake and they don't check it. And then that becomes very embarrassing. But there's a lot of great work being done in that area where people are applying their professional judgment and expertise and using those AI tools in order to get better work done and get it done faster.
0: Now, Megan, in your because you're effectively serving one firm and then you're working with paralegals, presumably from other firms, has that have you found the same kind of polarizing you know the 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 two camps the ones that are embracing ai and ones that aren't or is the paralegal world kind of approaching this differently
3: no uh, actually we are seeing it two different camps so there are some with the newer younger paralegals who hmm. are embracing it so they use it with you know summarizing depositions or e-discoveries a big helpful sure. use with ai of course the career paralegals like myself Don't really see the need right now, but I think if they just had a little bit of a taste of it, they could understand how much this would uh, help streamline our routine tasks and make us more elevated in what we do, and let us be freed up to do the more other types of work that we really need to focus on instead of the the routine type things.
0: It's really a question, maybe for both of you. Then is do you think AI is going to be like a pendulum? You know, we're right now we're we're all going fast, hurtling towards trying to incorporate AI into different aspects of our practices and the way our firms work. And then at some point the pendulum swings back and everybody says, no, more humans, fewer, fewer computers. Do you think we're on a pendulum or do you think this is kind of a one way street in which AI is kind of, it's just, it's just going to keep adding and adding and adding and building. So Megan, we can start with you on that.
3: To me, I think it's a one way street. I think that with all the, Hesitation with law firms using it. And well, and there's just so many things we're, we're, this is a fire starter. So everybody wants to jump in, but we need to be a little bit more careful, take a little bit, a step back, have some guardrails up to before we start using it and implementing it, because we have so many other areas that need to be regulated sure. or talked about in ethics and things like that. So I don't see the pendulum yet. I just think it's just going to be a slow road to go to that other end of using AI for, for paralegals anyway.
0: Joshua, how about you? You
2: know, I I am surprised by the large number of people that appear to be almost sleepwalking through what I, I think is the most significant invention and achievement of all humankind in all history. I mean, it is, you know, in many ways, the AI that we're seeing developed right now is kind of the culmination of all of the sciences throughout all of history and all of the academic study throughout all of history is sort of inevitably led us to this moment. And, you know, we blew by the Turing test and it was like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, you know, and 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 I think there's still this camp of folks that think of, you know, they have Chat GPT in their mind and they think, oh, you know, it's cute that 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 robot can spit out mm-hmm. some poems and do some creative writing. And I think what they're maybe underestimating is the speed at which this is growing. I mean we we seem to be on an exponential growth trajectory. And I think the other thing that perhaps they're underestimating is the, the multiplicative effect of combining AI with other technologies. And so we have uh, advancements in robotics, we have advancements in biology, medicine, material sciences, you know, processes. And when you start to combine these technologies, you, you start to get even more rapid growth, and it starts to accelerate faster and faster and faster. So no, I, I definitely do not think that this is a pendulum effect. I think this is going to only go faster and become more intense over the next few years. We need to talk a
0: little bit more about that and what that means, what that means for lawyers and kind of how, how we evolve. But before we do that, we're going to hear from one of our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Joshua and Megan a little bit more about what this means. So guys, stay tuned. We'll be back with our guests in just a couple of moments. So, guys, recently I was reading Clio's Legal Trends Report and I found something surprising. There's a lot of turnover in the legal profession due to work-life balance issues. So I brought with me Joshua Lennon, lawyer in residence at Clio, to talk to us more about this. So, Joshua, what's going on? Bottom line is... Firms that want to stick together need cloud-based legal practice management software. Lawyers using cloud-based software were 29% more likely to be happy in their professional lives, 34% more likely to be happy working at their firm, and they're 27% more likely to perform well at their jobs. Wow. Happy lawyers. Happy <laughs> lawyer, happy life. Who knew? So, Joshua, if I, want to, if I want to dig into this a little deeper, where do I go? Oh, we make the report free for everyone at Clio.com. Forward slash trends. That's clio. forward slash trends. The Texas Lawyers Assistance Program provides confidential help for Texas lawyers, law students, and judges who have problems with substance use and mental health issues. TLAP offers twenty four seven confidential support and can connect you to peers and providers for assistance. TLAP can also connect you to the Sheeran Crowley Lawyer Wellness Trust, which provides financial help to Texas lawyers, law students, and judges who need treatment for substance use depression, and other mental health issues, but can't afford to pay for services. Call or text TLAP anytime at 1-800-343-8527. All right, folks, we are back with Megan Gore-Peters and Joshua Weaver talking about AI and the practice of law. There's, there's been this, this concept that AI, say in things like drafting, whether it's a contract or a brief or a memo, or even creative writing outside of the law, that AI is going to start, you can start making standardized briefs very easily using AI. What about the role of lawyers in adding creativity and the human touch? Do you think AI is going to cover that as well at some point? Or is there going to, I guess the other way of saying it is, what is the role of the human being in a world in which AI is going to start taking greater and greater precedence?
2: Yeah, this is such a good question. And, and I spend a lot of time trying to figure this out myself. I'm, I'm not sure that I have a definitive answer or prediction yet. But, you know, I, I think many people sense that we are right on the edge or right on the verge of achieving AGI, Artificial General Intelligence. Mm-hmm. And and then many people predict that soon to follow after AGI will be some form of super intelligence. And this is sort of the, the moment where the technology becomes... Equal to and then superior to humans at performing human tasks, and and there was this there's this great irony that I I feel like more people should appreciate and and get, which is that you know we reimagined that these tools would automate the most boring tasks first, and right. that the sort of creative uh, spirit was something uniquely human, and as it turns out, that's just not correct. Um, we we now know, as as you were referencing in the intro. Um, comedians can mm-hmm. use uh, AI to come up with a structure for a joke, right? Think about the nuance and the context and the and the creativity that goes into writing a good joke. I mean that that's something that I think we've classically thought of as a uniquely human ability, and uh, and we're seeing the trend away from that in in a direction where technology will be able to do a lot of that as well. And so I I think the you know, if I were to make one point here, it's that a lot of people feel fear and anxiety from a scarcity mindset. You know, they, they worry about their jobs. They worry about how their role will change as this new technology uh, is embraced throughout the world. But I think that this, you know, with, with every major technology boom, there comes a new abundance. And I, I really believe that for attorneys, this is highly relevant. We have a lot of people that are unhappy and stressed out. They are doing a lot of activities that they frankly just don't enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Now, it's very, it can be very profitable through the billable sure. hour model, but it's not necessarily something that anyone really enjoys doing. And it's mm-hmm. taking people away from time with their kids, time with their family, spending time on themselves with self-care and hobbies. And so I really see this technology as, yes, it's it's going to reshape how professionals work. And it's going to replace and shift the models of profitability for attorneys, but I, I think that this will be an abundance. I don't think this is going to be a negative. I think it's going to be a net positive. And we'll just have to rethink, you know, what is our role? Uh, some people have conjectured that the attorney will sort of take over the last mile of delivering legal services. I've heard services. that phrase, yes. Yeah. And so, the, you know, essentially the AI will do the grunt work and then the attorney will come in and sort of check the work, make sure it's right, and then, and then apply some yeah. professional judgment and creative, uh, you know, decision-making. And and I think that's, I think that's a helpful way of thinking about it as we uh, move into the unknown, but, but this is unlike anything we've ever seen. I mean, we've, we've never had a technology this powerful. And so predicting how that's going to affect the future is I think difficult.
0: Megan, how about you? You're, you're looking at it from a slightly different perspective. Where do you think the role of human beings will be in this new world in which AI is, is at least playing a role, if not a dominant role?
3: Well, I agree with Joshua on what he's saying and and for lawyers specifically, it's it is going to be hard because you do see some of the the AI that comes out, the chatbots and things like that do have some type of personality so you wonder about that too. But all in all, I guess how I can say it is as a personal injury paralegal, when I interview a client, I see it in their eyes, I s- feel it in their voice. I don't think I know they have automated intake questionnaires, AI right now, but I don't think they pick up on these things. And I think this is something that the paralegal can certainly convey to the attorney, which will eventually get to a jury. So, and I don't think, you know, AI will have a a play in that. Um, But all in all, to me, being a lawyer is an art form. So the empathy and the creativity that comes into play with being a lawyer, I don't think AI can pick up on quite that yet.
0: Here's something that, that I've talked to lawyers about when we talk about AI. Which is, and, and this, is, this is kind of a hypothesis, and I want to see what each of you thinks of this. It's that you can never fully replace a human lawyer until you've replaced the judges with AI as well. Because as long as you've got a judge and long as you've got juries that are all humans, there's something about that, that human interaction that no AI can ever fully replace. So that's where the role of human beings comes in, at least when it comes to, say, litigation, something where there's a very people-facing component to it. Am I thinking of that incorrectly, or would you agree with that, with that particular take?
3: I definitely agree. I think to kind of expand on what we were talking about to and this question is like I did hear one lawyer say that he would throw in deposition, ask for deposition questions. On mm-hmm. when he threw in a complaint, sure, and he would get certainly he would get all the questions back, but he didn't feel that the AI had the capability of strategizing that, putting the mm-hmm. questions in the right order, mm-hmm. making it sound like the person or putting it into the the mindset of how he wanted the person to answer those questions, so I think that applies in the courtroom as well,
2: Joshua, how about you? I'm not as certain honestly and and this may sound a little out there, but I think we are right on the verge of. AI being able to be really good at these skills. And I'll I'll give you a practical example from litigation. One of the experiments that I've been running is in a past life, I used to help run focus groups for plaintiff civil litigation. And so we would focus group a case, a big case coming up, and we would hire real people that match the demographics of the jury that we were going to try the case in front of. And we would, you know, give it a, a college try in front of those real people. And kind of feel out what they thought and get their opinions on it. And so one of the experiments I've been running over the past uh, six months is I've been using AI and I've been creating AI personas of the dem- based on the demographics of the people that would be in the juries where the cases are going to be tried. And then I can run that simulation of the focus group asking the same questions, presenting the same materials that I would in real life. But do it all virtually, and I can run that simulation hundreds or thousands of times. And so I'm doing the same type of exercise, but I'm doing it much more cost effectively, and I'm getting a much larger uh, sample size. And what you know, the the results are very early. I don't want to overpromise uh, on this technology, but uh, at least at this point, you know, we're seeing that those AI focus groups are matching the real life focus group results, even down to the person. With about an 80 to 90% accuracy. And so, you know, when you when you think about how close that is, is it, is it perfect? No, there's still there is something, you know, uniquely human about having the actual physical person there to watch the presentation. But if you can get within 80 to 90% and you can do it a thousand times, I mean, that's a that's a very powerful tool. And so I'm not sure, you know, I, I'm not sure where I come down on where attorneys will be in the litigation process in the future. You know, it's, it's nice to think that we will always be so integral to uh, delivering legal services, but given how fast this technology is developing and how capable it seems to be, I'm, I'm just, I think there's a lot of uncertainty here.
0: Okay. This is, this is maybe a, a great moment for us to take another break hear from one of our sponsors and then come back and talk a little bit, maybe about structurally what, The state bar and what state bars across the country need to be doing when it comes to managing AI. So sit tight. We'll be back in just a few. We are back. We were just talking with Joshua and Megan about the role, if any, of humans in a future AI driven economy and an AI driven world. So, one question during the break that kind of occurred to me is Do you foresee a day when we don't need lawyers at all anymore? Because everything is so cut and dried, you know. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put my sci-fi hat on, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to imagine a future where conflicts are resolved almost immediately because there's an AI function that tells you exactly who wins and who loses and what the quote correct outcome is. Is that a future that you see possibly coming to fruition as well?
2: I do think that that is going to be an almost inevitable outcome for some situations. I mean, we have very large unmet legal needs uh, in the United States and around the world, frankly. And I do think that a lot of people, given the option to uh, use a less expensive and much quicker process to resolve their disputes, will probably find that very appealing at some point. And so I think that's a real possibility. And then, huh, appeal you know, back to whether <laughs> no pun intended. And then on the other hand, you know, I, I think a better way of thinking about will you know essentially are robots going to replace lawyers it's it's more that i think there will be a real merge between humans and ai and and this is already sort of happening you know we we offload so much of our memory and our thought process to smartphones and applications that keep track of our lives and and really i see ai as sort of collapsing many of those tools much in the same way that smartphones collapsed a lot of hardware devices into one single thing. And so I think that the AI, we will, we will come to think of it as an extension of ourselves that is so integrated with our, our own minds and our own personalities that it, it really just all becomes sort of one and the same.
0: Interesting. Megan, how about you? What's your, what's your thoughts on this? Well,
3: I, I like what Josh was saying about those things. Um, there is Certainly a great deal already going on with the access to justice in different states. Um, the Innocent Project in California is being very successful at using AI to help people who are in prison. So it, it is there. And I do see like some people, some attorneys will turn to, if they have a quick question about something, to look for automatic answers, um, especially like an employment law about different guidelines that they need to follow when something happens in their business. Completely replacing... I just don't want to say yes or no, because I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about that. I I would think that the human element, like I said, the judgment, the empathy, the adaptability that we have just cannot be replaced. And and like I said, with the lady I'm interviewing, you can say she's got a 10 on the pain scale, but if you see it in her eyes, you know, it's just more than a 10. This life-changing event happened to her. And I just don't think the human element and plus the fact check and the validating that has to go on that with everything that AI does. I don't see how that's going to happen anytime soon, for sure. Everything that we do is going to have to be validated. I mean, no doubt.
0: Let's talk for a moment about the nuts and bolts of incorporating AI into a legal practice. So, you know, I think we, we spent some time kind of talking, talking in the future, talking in broader strokes. Now let's, let's, Let's talk about brass tacks to some extent. So, you know, let's say a lawyer decides, okay, I'm going to start using ChatGPT. I'm going to get an open AI account or, and it doesn't have to be ChatGPT specifically, but that or any other similar program. And I'm going to start using it in some way to help me help me draft briefs, draft contracts, what have you. Isn't there a big privacy concern when you're dumping all this Because to do that, you've got to dump client data, you've got to put depositions, possibly medical records, and you've got to feed it into an AI, into some kind of AI interface that's now going to spit back to you the results that it's come up with. Has there there been any progress or any talk about what we as lawyers need to do when it comes to data privacy and client confidentiality in that context?
3: I don't know any of any firm that uses AI that extensively yet. So I can't really say, I, mm. I think we're taking baby steps right now with all the different things that are happening in the legal system and in the, in the courtroom. So the law firms are kind of standing back to see how those things are panning out. Like I was talking about earlier, and I think other people mentioned to it, having guardrails when you do have AI in your business, you want to make sure that you have a policy in place. You want to make sure that you have the disclosure to clients if you're going to be using this and how to train your employees. How many people are going to be using the chat? Mm-hmm. How often and what are they using it for? And, I mean, the other basic element to all this is the terms of agreements that you mm-hmm. sign with it. It's no different than all the 10-page things that we sign on anything that we do, Netflix or whatever. <laughs> right. The number seven item on their terms of service on OpenAI is that, you know, you have to indemnify. So mm-hmm. we, they won't be held responsible for anything that they do. Right. So um, it's it's still a little bit, a little bit something that we need to mold as far as i know
0: joshua how about you privacy data privacy client confidentiality
2: privacy is definitely a huge concern data security is a huge concern but i would like to dispel the myth that there aren't currently safe ways to do this and, and i'll give you two relatively accessible examples so one example is uh, microsoft is the major investor behind OpenAI and they have an enterprise service called Azure, and Azure integrates with OpenAI. And you can actually, uh, a solo attorney with a relatively limited budget can create an Azure account and in a enterprise secure space, they can upload data, including uh, confidential and sensitive information. They can follow all of the correct cybersecurity and data privacy procedures and, and policies. And they can run the open AI model on top of that data. And it's in a completely private and secure manner. And that's uh, available today. Anyone can go and create an account and try that. I would advise that if you are doing this with sensitive information, you should definitely look into doing it through something like that rather than just feeding it into chat GPT. Another thing that I think people should really be keeping an eye on is there's a huge push in the technology community to publish what are called open source models and that's models where the code is available for anyone it can be downloaded and modified by anyone and so there are models that are being produced uh, you know as we speak and that have already been published that you can actually run completely locally on your own device. And so they, uh, you can download these models, you can set them up on your home computer, and the data is not being transferred off of your device as these models are being deployed. And so that's another way to achieve data privacy and security is by just not uploading the data that's sensitive uh, into the cloud. Um, although I would mention, I, I, I think the cloud security around Azure and these other platforms that are enterprise grade is actually quite good and and something that people can trust.
0: As lawyers, you both know this, you know, lawyers in the legal profession, we're inherently risk averse, right? We don't like to take chances. I'm old enough to remember when lawyers still wanted to fax and we didn't want to email things. And I mean, it's just every time there's a new technology, we always get nervous and we don't want to embrace it. But to some as i get older i realize there's a good reason for this because as lawyers yeah we're risk averse and the business community makes fun of us but it's also because taking a risk entails potential liability and that liability to us as lawyers can mean that we lose our bar cards we lose our livelihoods and so now effectively the business community is asking us you know the clients i should say are asking us to embrace ai to lower costs but then that creates an inherent risk to the attorney. Attorneys aren't going to get in trouble for doing things the old way and doing it the way it's always been done. But if you try something new and it doesn't work right or you don't do it right, now suddenly you could get sanctioned or have some kind of, some kind of thing happen to your, to your bar card. So how do, you, how do you think that the law should embrace these new concepts in light of this inherent risk to our livelihoods?
2: One of the things that I tell attorneys when I'm coaching them about the use of AI is I fall back on what I call the 1080-10 rule, which is if you are using AI for a significant part of let's say the drafting process of mm-hmm. emotion, mm-hmm. you wanna start by putting in the initial 10%, right? You wanna mm-hmm. be thoughtful about what are you trying to achieve. What are the important key points? What's the strategy, right? This is the stuff that Megan has really done a great job of identifying as sort of the human uh, Mm -hmm. elements that are important. You know, then the 80% in the middle, you want to supervise the technology as the technology gets that done quickly and efficiently. But very important, on the end, there's another 10% where you need to go back in and you need to make sure that you're using your professional judgment and your expertise to make sure that everything aligns with the work product that you are producing. And I, I think through that process, you know, because attorneys are risk averse and because identifying and managing risk is one of our core skills, mm-hmm. I think we're actually uniquely well-suited to navigate the unknown of how do we incorporate these new tools that do carry risk into, into the workplace.
0: Let's maybe talk about things like ethics and professional liability there's a rule in Texas and I think most states that lawyers cannot get the client to just waive liability against the against the attorney. So we cannot have a retainer agreement that says, you know, hey, we're going to do the following things and in exchange you're absolving us, you're indemnifying us of any and all liability. We don't get that option even though the business community does. So two businesses can indemnify one another, you can as was pointed out earlier, Megan, I think you you made this point. With ChatGPT, term and condition number seven says you indemnify ChatGPT as a normal consumer. We lawyers don't have that benefit. So if we're going to take on something new like this and we're going to try it for the benefit of our clients to make things faster, more efficient, and less expensive, do you think now Texas law has to change? Does a state bar need to now advocate and say, we need to have new ethics rules around around allowing attorneys some license to use AI? And more importantly, do we need to now change that common law rule that says we cannot, that clients can't indemnify us from all liability for trying something new like this?
3: I do believe the state bar is looking at that as as well as all the other bars across the nation. With Texas, though, we have the disciplinary rule 1.01 that talks about competence and diligent representation. Mm -hmm. And I think the state bar is going to take a closer look at that on how we can expand. Um, they had just recently had added technology that attorneys need to be re- right. have relevant technology expertise in their practice. Um, so I think they're going to expand that, to, of course, to include AI. But I don't know how quickly that's going to be. So attorneys right now really need to look at their cybersecurity insurance and right. have a policy in place before they even try to start using that um, throughout their practice, like you're talking about.
0: It's interesting, because if you say that now attorneys have to be have to be at least minimally conversant with AI. Now you're just adding on something more that attorneys have to do, but then that that liability risk is still there. And I think that might be what's causing us to hold back. So now, Joshua, let's kick this over to you. How, do you, how, how would you kind of throw all this together or make it all make sense?
2: Well, I, I have to give so much credit to President Cindy Tisdale and all of the folks that are in the AI task force right now. I, I think there's some Really smart folks that are working very hard on trying to find answers to these difficult questions, and I wouldn't want to get out ahead of uh, of their work. I'm very eager to see where that task force goes and and what they ultimately recommend. But I would also say this is this has always been an underlying tension for attorneys. You know, the the number one way that attorneys accidentally break confidentiality is through sending an email to the wrong person, right? And so the the idea of attorneys. Needing to deal with the the challenges of facing that liability and the new technology at the same time, I, I think that's actually nothing new. It, it takes on a different appearance when AI is involved, but this is kind of a, a thing that has already happened. And attorneys just need to keep that rule of uh, technology competency in mind, and they need to take reasonable steps to educate themselves about what the technology does, what are its potential uh, downsides, and then also uh, what are the upsides. I mean, one of the one of the hot topics in higher education over the last couple of weeks has been AI has revealed that there have been these incidences of plagiarism among Mm -hmm. very high profile academics. And, you know, somebody other than me came to this conclusion, (laughs) but I I totally agree, which is that in the future, it will be academic malpractice not to use AI to check your own work for plagiarism, Mm -hmm. you know, And, and I think that lawyers will be in a similar situation where you know, yes, there are risks to using this technology, but in the very near future, I think it'll essentially be similar to legal malpractice not to use AI to make sure that you are zealously representing your client uh, to the best of your ability. And, and whether that's checking your motions or steel manning your arguments, you know, what, what, might, what might opposing counsel say mm-hmm. if I make this uh, argument or I, I make this objection? I, I think that that is actually going to become a necessary part of the workflow for attorneys.
3: I agree, like for uh, new lawyers coming out, doing zillions of drafts for Mm -hmm. the other attorneys is going to stop. They're going to start with a draft from AI before they move on. It's going to be just normalcy to to them.
0: So that that becomes effectively your your first-year associate at a large firm. The AI is doing it. Now others have to now effectively edit that. How do we then avoid... I guess if, if we're all relying on AI and the AI is starting to to churn out work for us, there's there's at least some risk, I would think, of the AI making things very uniform. Whereas attorneys like to have their own writing style. We like to entertain the judge to the extent that we can with the brief. We want to we want to make our points in a way that might resonate with a particular appellate panel if it goes to that that extent. There's that kind of 3D level thinking that's going on when you're when you're drafting something, how do you manage that if everything we do has to go through the AI first? Is the idea then that effectively you you let the AI come up with the with the skeleton and now you put in all those elements, but then does that take away from the creative component of just writing from a blank slate up front?
3: Well, I, I think that's just the way it's going to be as far as the the newer lawyers that's just going to be how they approach things is they're just going to turn to AI and go there. A quick example is like when, uh, Westlaw came out and we had online searching and the new lawyers were using Google. I was just appalled that they right. would use Google <laughs> to look up something instead of going through Westlaw online. And that's just, that's just how they were, they're doing things. So I, I don't think that's going to change much as, as far as that goes. But to answer your question, yes, I think like Josh was talking about the last 10% and the first 10% may have to be you know, move to the to the bottom. So it'll be the last twenty percent. The attorney will change it to modify it to their style, to their, to their creativity, and and to get the point across the strategizing that they want to implement into their document.
0: Fair enough. Joshua, it sounds like you're you're probably gonna agree with most of that.
2: Yeah, I, I have two uh points here. Point number one is I think that in the future we are going to look back on the last few years with great nostalgia for the last few years representing really the last time in history where a majority of content was created by humans rather than created by ai I, I think it's going to be a relatively short period of time before the amount of content you know text images video so on and so forth created by ai is going to absolutely dwarf the amount of information that humans are creating and so i, I think we're going to look back on this time with a lot of nostalgia and then point number two is I think the future of uh, of how we're going to use AI really does look sort of like us becoming in uh, you could almost say like a cyborg, right? Where we have our AI that is integrated into our work and personal life. And I think that that AI will actually come to learn our personality. We you know, it will train on our writing style, it will train on our sense of humor, and it will become an extension of the way that we think and write that is uniquely us. And so in in a very interesting way, I think that the AI will actually allow us to continue to do creative, fun, interesting writing and and uh, you know, continue our emotion practice in a way that does represent us, but it's because the AI will be very personalized and local to our own personalities. This has been
0: absolutely fascinating, but we are towards we have reached the end of our time unfortunately. So Megan and Joshua, thank you both for joining us today and for giving us a glimpse into what may lie ahead. So thank you both for being here.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me back.
0: Absolutely. And as you know, I am your host, Locutus of Borg. For all you Star Trek fans, okay, this is, we're ending with the cyborg reference. Okay, and of course, I want to thank you for tuning in and encourage you to stay safe and be well. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app, Until next time, remember, life's a journey, folks. I'm Rocky Deer, signing off.
1: If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Go to TexasBar.com slash podcasts. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Find both the State Bar of Texas and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes.